Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry, but I gotta. You know, there is a song that I just came to me the other week, and I should have been crucified. Amen. I Amen. Have, Amen. Took my place. Amen. Amen. Come on, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Amen. Thank you, thank you, Miss Faye. Thank you all, man, for being here. I'm grateful for you. Um, if you're joining us online, thank you for being with us as well. And um, if you can, I want to invite everybody. Let's get out our Bibles or a Bible app. You can also get out your worship guide and take notes if you want to do that. But let's get to the book of Hebrews. We're going through a study. We've been studying the book of Hebrews. And if you will, head to chapter 12. We're going to just look at three verses. Um, chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. So we've spent the last, I don't know, month studying chapter 11. So now we come to chapter 12. Chapter 12 is what I would call the application of chapter 11. I don't know if you remember, I hope you do, chapter 11. Chapter 11, it was all about faith. It was all about faith. It begins with a description of faith, and we kind of defined faith as being what? Acting like God's telling the truth living in light of what God has said, acting as though the unseen is seen. So you're, it gets difficult though because you're walking in faith, you're doing these things and you're, you're living in light of the unseen and it could be difficult, it can be challenging. There are gonna be ups, there are gonna be downs, you can get discouraged and so we come to chapter 12 and chapter 12 is going to take the application of what we've learned and applied it to that. So the question is this, how do you, how do we, how do we practically walk in this? How do we practically live out this, I don't know, living by faith? How do we do that? Now, you remember the letter of Hebrews, it was written to a small little church. And you get this small little church and they were going through some difficult times in life. I'd beaten them down. They were considering belling out it become too difficult to serve Christ. They got some, some resistance. They had um, some trials, some, some, some difficulties. And, and so, you know, they're, they're starting to ask them these questions. They start asking the question, you know, a question that maybe some of you, many of us may have asked, but the question is this, is it worth it? You know, is, is the Christian life worth it? I'm going I'm to be living by faith. I'm going to be living in light of the not yet seen. I'm going to be trusting God that what he says is true, but it's hard and things are coming at me. Life is difficult and I get discouraged. So that's the challenge, right? 
That's a challenge. Some of them are thinking about giving up. I don't know where you're at today, but maybe you're thinking the same similar question is, is it worth it? When you get to chapter 12, the author of Hebrews is going to address that. He's going to say that, yeah, hey, 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 church, it's difficult. There's ups, there's downs, there's stuff, there's stuff going on. But what we got to do is we got to remain focused. And that's the key. You're going to be focused. What are, you, what are you looking at? I can tell you right now, every one of you, every one of us, every one of us could sit down and make a list of difficulties and problems and things we're going through. And if you sit there and you look at those things and you put your life on those things, you live on those things, those things are going to be really big. The author of Hebrews is going to say, man, you got to, you got to, you got to focus on that. You got to focus on God and what he's doing. So in these three verses, he's going to give us, church, five things that we need to stay focused on. You're going to focus, you're going to focus, man. You got, I got faith, I'm living by it. It's hard, it's difficult, things going up, things going down. He's going to say, man, you got to focus. So, so let's look at it. Let's look at these, these five things. Three verses, five things. This is all together. This is practical. This is practical stuff, all right? First thing he's going to say, you live in a life by faith. You walk in by faith. First thing you do, he's going to say, I put it this way, focus on the event. Focus on the event. Let's read the text. Verse one, here's what he says. Therefore, all right? This lets us know that everything that follows this is predicated upon, it is based upon what he's already said in verse 11. So therefore, this is application. Therefore, since we Christians, church, this is us, are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Now we're gonna look at that in a moment. What I want us to focus on is what, what's next. And let us, Christians, run with endurance the race that is set before us, all right? So that's what I want to look at, that, that last part. And we're gonna command, we got a command here. We're, we're commanded, Christians, to do what? Run. You're gonna run. This is, you're gonna run with endurance, all right? So the question might be this. I don't know how many runners we got in here, but the question might be, what, 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 what run what? Well, he says the race, all right? What race? Well, not any race. He says, he says, there's a specific race that I want all of you to run. I want you to run the race that has been set before us, right? Before you, that's the race. That's the command. We're to run a specific race, the race that has been set before us. And you go, okay, okay. What is the specific race that has been set in front of us? And I would say broadly, it's the Christian life. It's the Christian life. And Christian, you entered that race the day God saved you, and you will exit the race the day God takes you home. And so in between that period, that's what we're running. That is the race, right? That's the race we're, we're running, okay? So we're running that race, okay? Now, once again, I don't know. I was trying to think about running. I used to run a little bit, but I'm slow, all right? I like to run, but I'm slow. I don't know if any of you have watched sporting events, running events, track events. I haven't. I mean, I'll know the Olympics or whatever, but um, if you ever watch a, a track and field events, one of the things that's an unusual to me is you got a lot of events going on. You, you got to know all these events going on, all right? So you got all this stuff going on. And the key, I think, to being successful in any race 
is to know what event that you are in, right? Now we're in the Christian race, but we've got to know that. I mean, there's other stuff going on. We got to know that like, 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 like the pole vaulter should not be doing the shot put. And I don't know, we say the shot putter, is that a word? The shot putter, he shouldn't be running hurdles, right? You got to know your race. So if you want to be successful in the race that you're a part of, you got to know what event you're competing in and you got to focus on that event. All right. So, so we got the, our event, the Christian life. We got to focus on that. You can say focused on that. And it says we're to run in a specific way. The way we're told to run lets us know a little bit about the event that we're in. It says we're to run with endurance, endurance. That tells us something. It tells us something. It tells us that the event that you and I are running in is not a sprinting event. All right. It tells us that we're not running a middle distance event. It appears to me the word endurance would seem to indicate that the event that's been set before us is more like a marathon. You know, you got to start, you got to end. All right. And you think about the Hebrew church that we've been looking at, right? Like many of them had started out very well. And you may know individuals even today who started out very well, but man, as time moves on and things get difficult and things are hard, right? You begin to lose your enthusiasm. I remember, man, these are side stories and you know these side stories. My, my kids, they'll go off to, 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 well, we have Vive Camp here. They come back from Vive Camp and they are just on fire for the Lord. And then something happens. I say, Guys, make your bed. Then all of a sudden they're like, oh my God. You know, I mean, these things hit you. You got, a, you got things to do. You got life to live. You got all this stuff to do. So you're on this, this, this high. You got all this stuff going on. You got all this enthusiasm. Then life hits you. And sometimes, I don't know, you lose your confidence. You might get weakened. You might waver. But he's saying, guys, no, you got to stay focused on your event. Like our event. God saved me. God's going to take me home. This is a marathon. There will be difficulties, right? There's going to be struggles. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be problems. You will get tired and you will get weary. You may get distracted, but if you want to live this life by faith in light of things not yet seen, you've got to have endurance and you've got to know your race and you've got to stay focused. All right. First thing we got to focus on, you got to focus, you got to focus, yeah, I got to, I got to focus on the event. All right. But that's not it. He's going to keep going. You got to think about something else. You got to focus on something else. He's going to say the way I put it is focus on spiritual victors. You're going to look at the, let's go back to the first half of verse one. Therefore, since we Christians are surrounded by such, by so great a cloud of witnesses, all right? So notice that word, cloud of witnesses. You know, what is that? What's a cloud of witnesses, all right? Well, in context, the cloud of witnesses that he's referring to is everyone we've been looking at in chapter 11. We went through these guys, every one of them, the people and the events. It's, it's, it's referred to as the hall of faith. And it's just a listing of men and women, and they got all their challenges in life, and they persevered in their faith, even though it was difficult, Right? They, they knew they were focused on their event. They were staying true to their event. Life came, difficulties came, right? But they persevered. They had endurance. And he's saying, man, look to those guys. Look to those guys. He's going, we can think of, I was thinking about some of them. You know, like that, that cloud of wind, like, 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 I don't know, Enoch. You know, Enoch, remember Enoch. We talked about him. 
If Enoch was here right now, he would testify. He would testify. Man, you may be going in one direction and the world going in the opposite direction, but God's going in the same direction you're going in. You're going to be okay. God's going to be with you. That's what he'd testify. Noah, you can give Noah. Man, Noah, if he was in church with us today, man, he'd testify. He's got, listen, he got, hey, listen, guys, listen. God may ask you to do something, like build a boat, build a boat on dry land. God may ask you to do that. People are going to make fun of you. People are going to say stuff about you. But let me tell you something. In the end, when the end comes, you're going to be dry. They're going to be wet. He's going to testify. You got to think about these guys. Abraham, Sarah, same thing. What They could testify when all human hope is lost. God still produces life, all right? So there's one testimony after the other. People who persevered. We got to think on them. Remember them. You, church, you've got a cloud of witnesses around you. Focus on that. Now know what struggle you may be going through right now. But I found this out. This will be true in my life. I may be going through a struggle and I am prone to think that perhaps I'm the only person who ever had that struggle. That's just not true. That's just not true. I think practically a cloud of witnesses, I think it could be applied to us today. I think you could apply that. And of course, looking at them, but I think broadly, he'd be saying something like this, man, church, you need to, we need to, I don't know. This is the way I would phrase it. Spend time with, hang out with spiritual victors, people who have been victorious in the faith and try not to, once again, these are my words, you know, um, hang out with, spend time with, a lot of time with what you might call a spiritual deadbeat. You know, a spiritual deadbeat, right? You hang out with people who are persevering in the faith. Hang out with people who are similar to those in chapter 11. Because I'm telling you, right now, one of the reasons historically in my life that I have seen, I have seen people not persevering, Christians not persevering, what I've seen is they seem to hang out with people, the wrong people, people who don't have faith, people who don't love Jesus, people who don't read their Bible, people who don't go to, go, go to church, man. And you can hang out with those guys and that starts becoming your worldview. Um, Here's a quote. I got two quotes. I love these quotes. I I keep these quotes. I'm going to share these quotes with you. Businessman, it doesn't matter. Don Pena, he says this. I I don't know much about the man. I just like what he said. He says this, show me your friends and I will show you your future. It's true. You hanging out with um, entrepreneur Jim Ron says it like this. You are the, because this made me think, man, it made me think. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I don't know how true that is, but I know it's a little bit true. It's a little bit true. You can go, you can go look, at, look at the guys. Men, who's your crew, man? Go, go check out your crew. Who's your crew? Who are you, who are you hanging with? And if you're the average of those guys, do you like the average of those guys? I don't know, man. The writer of Hebrews says, focus on victors. Focus on this cloud of witnesses. Don't hang out with people who don't love Jesus. I mean, I mean, you want to you influence them. You want to spend some time with them, but they can't be your core crew. They can't be the ones influencing you. If, if, if you're hanging out with a bunch of people who don't believe God, don't walk in faith with God pretty soon, you're going to be on their team. They're not going to be on your team. You got to hang out with the right people. You got to focus on this. You wanna, you're going to be going through this life and it's hard, this race, our event. This is my event. I want to run it with endurance, man. Well, I need to hang out with people who are in the race, in the events. Man, I'll hang out. You know what I want to do? I'll hang out with people who are even farther down the road to me. Show me how to navigate my specific section of the race that I'm on. So you focus on that. You focus on the event. Focus on spiritual victors.
Now we're going to say, I'll say this, focus on yourself. Focus on yourself. Now I got to, I got to explain this. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about focus on yourself in a vain way. I'm not saying we need to all go out and take more selfies and post them on social media. That's what I'm talking about. Come on, man. I'm talking about (laughs) evaluating yourself in a healthy, healthy way. Look at the next, the last part of verse one, the next part. Look, let us, that's all of us also. Okay. That means in addition to remembering the cloud of witnesses, let us also look at this, lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely. All right. So he's flat out saying, guys, there may be some stuff you need to get rid of. Like there may be some, there may possibly be some things in your spiritual walk that are slowing you down. This, you're not, you're not going to get to your destination, right? You got unneeded things, right? And we're told to, we're told here two specific things. We're told two things and, and, and I wanted to study them a bit, but look, first you need to unload the weight. Second, you need to unload the sin. Okay. Two things he's telling us we got to do that. So let's just look at them just a bit. I was wanting to break them down. You got first unload that weight, you know, unload, man, you in this event, you're on this journey. You need to unload weight. Okay. My question is, is what weight you talking about? Well, what are you talking about? Now the text here does not give us specifics. I don't know what the weight is, but I think in context, we know what weight he's talking about. He's actually said it, I think in verse five and verse six, what the we, what the weight is that they're dealing with. And I think they had this baggage of legalism, Judaic legalism, right? They got this, this is legalism and they're carrying this weight of legalism. Many of you know that legalism, legalism is a heavy load. They got a, going to collapse. They got a big old pile of legalistic sweat, you know, they were holding on to the temple, holding on to priests, holding on to rituals, holding on to ceremonies. We've looked at 11 chapters of that. And every time he goes, hey, guys, Jesus is better than all of that. Jesus is better. You can never run by faith if you're hanging on to works. The race is run by faith plus nothing. You're going to hang on to legalism. You're going to hang on to legalism. That's not going to weigh you down. Now he's talking to them, but I got to tell you something. Legalism is a word we throw around a lot. Okay. Now when we think about legalism, we usually think about some religious institution imposing them upon us. Very well. That might be correct. I want to talk about something. I want to talk about something. I want to talk about something else here, guys. Listen, we can impose legalism on ourselves and it's easy to do. It's very easy to do. I want to give you an example in my life where I impose legalism on myself and it slowed me down. It slowed me down. All right. Here's my story and I'm sticking to it. I hope it's not discouraging. I hope it's encouraging. So um, they have different Bible reading plans. There's so many different Bible reading plans and they're awesome. You should use them. They're a great tool. They're absolutely a great tool. Um, Several years ago, I thought to myself, you know what I want to do? I want to get a Bible reading plan where I would read through the Bible in a single year. Now, once again, some of you do that. That is beautiful. That is wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. It is amazing, and I wanted to do it. What happened, though, in my course of doing it, this aid, this reading plan became legalistic to me. I imposed it upon myself. 
This is how it went down. You got, you got these prescribed verses you're supposed to be reading. I'm going to read them. I'm going to read them. And, and it's not too much. It's very doable. But several weeks into it, I come across some text, and I really enjoyed the text, and there's some words I wanted to study. And so what I said to myself, I said, I'm going to sit today in my quiet time on this section, okay? The problem is, it means I wouldn't get to the other section. So I said to myself, here's what I'm going to do. Tomorrow, I will do double time. I'm going to do double time. It was all well and good until the next day when I had to do double time, all right? I go to do double time and check this out. I am no longer reading in order to enjoy the text. I am now reading in order to mark off that I read what I was supposed to read. I took something good, I changed it, I I made it legalistic, and then I posed it upon myself, and then I was robbed, and it weighted me down. You gotta be careful. We impose legalism, and so I decided just to do it differently. I modified it, and that's okay. But that's what we're saying, man. Legalism, legalism will weigh you down. You got to get it. If it encumbers you, you got to get rid of it. All right. Second thing, he says, sin. You need to drop the sin. Now, real quick, as I'm studying this, there's some debate here. It's so weird the debates in the Bible. There's the, the debate. Every word, every. I think every word in the Bible you can buy a book on where people disagree. Okay. So you think it's pretty, you think it's pretty straightforward, right? Um, and, okay, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Here's the debate. The word sin there is singular, all right? So some take it to mean that he's talking about one specific sin, all right? Others say no, even though it is a single, singular word, he's talking about all sin. So you get these two camps are arguing, no, it's one sin, no, no it's all sin. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I, I, it, it, it's sin, man. Listen, listen, I think it's both. You think it's both. Like, well, Travis, how can, yeah, how can you say it's both? Here's how I think it's both. I think it's both. I think it is one sin, but I think it's the one sin that's the root of all sin, all right? So I kind of thread that needle. I want everybody to like me. Okay. So anyway, here's what I think. I think it's a specific sin of unbelief. That's what I think he's talking about. Because we're talking about faith. I think the sin is unbelief, all right? And fundamentally, unbelief is the root of every sin that we engage in. It is. Whatever sin we do, it's practical unbelief, all right? It is. Because you sin, I sin. And we assume that we're going to find happiness in the sin that we are doing, even though God says you won't find happiness there. So we believe a lie, we exchange it rather than the word of God. So in the end, all sin is a form of unbelief, all right? So that's what he's talking about. So you gotta get this legalism. I'm not gonna run this race. I'm gonna run this race. You gotta put the weight of legalism, you gotta set it aside. You got to set aside the sin of unbelief, man. You got to set aside, man. God said it. God will do it. It's going to happen. Walk in light of that. Okay, you got those. Focus on the event. Focus on spiritual victories. Focus on yourself. Now it gets beautiful. That's what I'm talking about. Next, focus on Christ. That's what you're focus on. You got to focus on Jesus. You know, look at this. Verse two. Check it out. Check it out. This is good stuff, guys. Looking to Jesus now. Some different versions, and I like this version where it says, they'll say, fixing our eyes on Jesus. I like fixing. Does anyone know fixing is a real word? I like it. Fixing our eyes 
on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is some good stuff here. Here's some good, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. He's saying, he's saying, he's saying, he's saying, you know, you can take a peek at Abraham, but don't fix your eyes on him. You can take a peek at Moses, Nabal, Enoch, and Noah, all the people of chapter 11. You can take a peek at all the cloud of witnesses, but don't fixate on them, church. Don't fixate on them because they all flawed, right? They're like you and me, born in sin, shaped by iniquity. They're imperfect beings. So don't fix your eyes on them. What does he say? Fix your eyes on Jesus, on Jesus. Well, let me tell you something. That's good advice. But why? Let me ask you, why should I fix my eyes on Jesus? He says in the text, because listen, here's the deal. Jesus just so happens to be the founder and the perfecter of your faith. That's why, right? Founder means he's the originator. Perfecter means he's the finisher. In other words, he's going to take you from start to finish, right? He gets you from the, yeah, come on. Yeah, absolutely. He takes you from the starting line to the finish line, beginning to end. Don't you dare, Christian, take your eyes off of Jesus. I was thinking about this, man. This is, this is, okay, so this is where my mind went. This is what I was thinking about. At my house, okay, this, 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 this happened last week. At my house, we like wildflowers. My whole family, we like wildflowers. We like wildflowers, okay? So if you were to come to my house, you go to the front door. On the right-hand side, we got, we got, we got this flower bed. The builders built a flower bed and they planted the shrubs and the bushes. That's what they did. It was, you know, the builder special, whatever. You know, I didn't, I didn't get to choose those or nothing. And they grow like crazy. And so about two weeks ago, my good buddy, Logan, I don't know if Logan, he's in here, but I got Logan, Logan, he's got a tree cutting company. And I said, Logan, can you take all that stuff out? And Logan goes, yeah, we can. He brought all of these cool tools. He cut them all out. He removed them. All right. And then me and my family, we put dirt down. And here's what I did. You can go to Lowe's, Home Depot, Walmart, it don't matter. And I bought all these different little wildflower seeds. And I put them in a big cup and I just sprinkled. We put dirt down, we just sprinkled them everywhere. Wild, I like the wildflowers. Now I understand some people in my neighborhood, they're like, that may not look good. And I said, this may not be your house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I like them. Anyway. Anyway, it was beautiful. They're growing now. They're growing now. There was one plant that I wanted to plant. There's a seed I wanted to plant that I could not plant because that area does not get enough sunshine. It's the sunflower. I wanted to plant a sunflower seed, but it doesn't get enough sunflowers. It doesn't get enough sun. The sunflower is called a sunflower because the sunflower always faces the sun. That's crap. Because you Wikipedia. That's where I get all my information. Wikipedia, man. They say. No, they got these different graphs. You can't grow a sunflower there. Because when the sun rises in the east, the sunflower faces the east. When it's straight up, the sunflower's tall and straight. And when it's setting, it faces the west. They're called sunflowers because they do not take their eyes off the sun. You see, here's what I think. I think sunflowers understand something that some of us do not understand. Sunflowers understand that their growth and their development is tied to where the sun is located. 
So they're always moving. They're always moving in the direction of the sun. I think that's kind of like what he, the author of Hebrews is telling us, church, right? We need to, we want growth, we want development, we want to walk by faith, we want to live in light of what he said. We got to have our face, we got to have our life in orientation to Jesus. He is the founder and the perfector. All right, going to focus on the event. Spiritual victors, yourself, Christ. Finally, we'll do verse three. And I say focus on encouragement. I'll do this real quick. Listen, come on. He says, consider. I love consider. He goes, think about this. I think about this. Think about this, church. Him, that's Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may, no, look at that switch there. So that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. And you read that and you think, I don't know, man, how is that encouraging? Well, it's encouraging here. Listen, listen, listen. We're running this race beginning and end. It's tiring. It's weary. You get these messes. Some of you are in messes. I get it. I get in messes. You get these messes and you're like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just want to throw in the towel, whatever. But then you look at this verse and it's encouraging. Why? Because Jesus had to endure for a period of time. He had to endure inconvenience, difficulties, rejection, opposition. He had to get through it. Man, people told told Jesus, I love you one minute, and then they denied him the next minute. Whole group of people saying, crown him king of kings one day, and the next they're saying, crucify him. It's difficult. It's difficult. But look, we're to consider him, consider Jesus, consider Jesus, whom is what? Seated, preceding verse, seated where? At the right hand of God. What is he doing there? He's interceding for whom? For those whom are running the race. That's encouraging. Yeah, it's encouraging. So there's nothing you're going to go through. There's nothing you're experiencing. Jesus, I know I've been there. I intercede on your behalf. And so three verses application, man, it's hard guys. I want to run this race set before me with endurance, but in order to do that, we got to have a right focus. You got to focus on the event. That's this Christian life. You got to focus on that. I know there's some people doing stuff over there. There's some stuff going on over there. That's not your race. That's not your race. This is your race. Focus on it. Hang out with spiritual victors, man. Do it. The cloud of witnesses. Focus on your sin, man. On yourself. Focus on the the weight that's hindering you, legalism and sin. Get rid of it. Focus on Christ, right? Like a sunflower. Like a sunflower. Keep your head, face, life on him. Focus on the encouragement. He's done it. He's there. He intercedes. Yeah, it's hard. And Jesus gives us one additional thing I just want to tell you. It's called the church. He wants you here, and I'm glad you're here. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this body of believers and what you're doing here. I pray that we would steadfastly stay focused on what you've set before us and that we would run it with endurance. We'd keep our face and our eyes on you in all things at all times for your glory, 
for our joy and for the good of the nations. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.